Welcome to the December 8th episode of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. Leafs back home tonight, taking on the LA Kings at Scotiabank Arena. Samsonov poised to get the start in net tonight as a response to Matt Murray's terrific game against the Dallas Stars. Mitch Marner looking to extend his point streak to 21 straight games tonight as well. And we'll take a few moments and we'll do a little bit of a divisional roundup. We haven't you know, been able to dive much into what else has been going on around the league. And we're a couple months into this thing, Dave. So I thought this would be a good time to kind of poke around and see what's going on around the division, where the Leafs stack up and who's hot, who's not, and what's going on in the Atlantic. So all that more coming up on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome into the Locked All These Podcasts, one-stop shopper, all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morsui from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs, the daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. So be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, catch us up on video. Just look us up on YouTube. It's Locked On Leafs on YouTube. Hit subscribe. we got new videos coming at you each and every day, Monday through Friday. It's five videos a week, all Leafs, all the time. So hopefully uh, you are subbed up to Locked On Leafs to get that daily coverage. Uh, we got a game tonight, Dave. The Maple Leafs return home after a quick little outing, couple games. Flew into Tampa, then quick, quickly over to Dallas. Came away with three of four points. They now have points in 12 straight games. They haven't lost in regulation since November 11th. Mitch Marner, 20 straight games with a point. You've got the goaltending playing at an elite level. You've got the defenders playing at a great level. Everything's looking pretty good in Leafland right now, isn't it, Dave? It is. I know uh, a lot of people are trying to cool down the Matt Murray all-star goaltender talk and saying it's only been nine games. Very, very true, but it's been nine very good games, and you can't can't look past that right now. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to hate right now with what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know that injuries <clears throat> continue to be a, a cause for concern, but I've really enjoyed the way that this team has stepped up with the adversity the last few weeks. Oh, absolutely. And I actually did a little breakdown. Uh, somebody's reached out to me on Twitter. I'm not sure if they were uh, a locked on Leafs listener or potentially a Leafs lunch listener, but apparently I've got uh, a, uh, a reputation, let's say about, you know, diving into numbers and stats and analytics apparently. And, you know, this, this person asked me on Twitter, um, how different I think it was in response to my tweet about uh, the shutout last night. And what did he say? Hold on, let me find it. It was Liam Moody, Mr. Underscore Idea on Twitter. If he is a listener of the pod, um, so when I mentioned that he had a shutout last night, 6.14 goals saved above expected was Matt Murray's shutout. Um, his response to me are our average shots up, our average shots against way up without Riley and Brody, though. You figured they would have to be, um, yeah, figured they would have to be and that you would have that stat ready. So apparently I'm supposed to just know every single thing about the Maple Leafs and all these stats. I didn't have it ready, but I went and I did dig in and I did find what the difference was um, with Riley and Brody and without Riley and Brody. So um, prior to November 11th, I suppose, and post-November 11th is, is the dates that we were using because that's when Brody left the lineup and then Riley left the following game. So with Morgan Riley and TJ Brody, actually, we can pull this up on Twitter. If you go find, uh, I, I have it tweeted, go to my replies and we can pull it up for those who are on YouTube and they can look at it as opposed to just hearing me spew all the numbers. They can look at it for themselves. But for those who are listening, I will obviously enunciate the statistics, but five on five numbers with Morgan Riley and TJ Brody, the defensive metrics, um, shots against per 60, 27.03. Without Morgan Riley, 28.59. So not a whole big difference there. 
High danger chances with Riley and Brody, 12.2. High danger chances against, 11.36. So they're actually giving up less without Riley and Brody right now um, in terms of high danger percentage. Not a whole lot, about one high danger chance less uh, per game, but it is a little bit less. Expected goals against. This is where there's a little bit of a difference here. Um, there actually has been more expected goals against per 60 without Riley and Brody and the defensemen that are there at 2.59, whereas it was 2.42 with the healthy Riley and Brody in the first couple of months of the season or first six weeks or so of the year. But the biggest difference between what we've seen out of this defensive group and this team with and without Morgan Riley and TJ Brody in the lineup is just straight up the amount of goals that are running up in the back of the net. With Riley and Brody, um, the team goal against per 60 at 5-on-5 five five was 2.03. Since Riley and Brody have vacated this lineup since November 12th until today, nearly a full calendar month, goals against per 60 at 5-on-5 five five has been 1.64 goals against per 60 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. That, to me, has been the biggest difference. And that doesn't necessarily scream that the defense has been great. What it screams to me is the goaltending has been great. And the last little statistic that I have here in this stat breakdown that I put up there on Twitter is the team save percentage going up from 924, which is still really high, a 924 save percentage for uh, for the Maple Leafs, considering it was, what, 900 last year. It was 924 through the first um, six weeks of the season with Riley and Brody. And without them, the goaltending has really stepped up, and they've been part of why this team defense has been solid. Um, a 9.49 team save percentage uh, without Riley and Brody, so that's been a big difference there. And that was just a little statistical breakdown that I had that I thought I might want to share to some people on the pod. They might enjoy it just to kind of see because there's been a lot of discussion and discourse about how well this team is defended, and I think what that shows me is a. It's true. They haven't skipped a beat. A lot of those chances that they're giving up are relatively the same as what they were with Riley and Brody in the lineup. And the biggest difference is just that they're getting just a couple extra saves. And they were getting those saves before. They're just getting even stronger goaltending of late, um, which just, again, goes to point to to the strength of what Matt Murray and, and Ilya Samsonov and even Eric Schalgren have been able to do over the course of this season. Yeah, I think the goaltending, I mean, I was going to I was going to ask, like, um, you know, at what point where you look at with the with Matt Murray being out for as long as he has, Samsonov also being out, like during that time, I think Morgan Riley and TJ Brody were playing, a lot of the other guys were playing, and they weren't getting great goaltending during that stretch. Now that Murray and Samsonov are back, we're talking a lot about the goaltending. I think that's helped the defense in such a big way. The defense has stepped up <clears throat> the game against the stars being a great one you know how many block shots they had in that game yeah but you see the you see the save percentage like that's a drastic improvement yeah. even though 920 what was a 924 that's still a really solid number like let's not act like that's not right like that is great even if they stayed the same that's still like way above league average at 924 but going all the way up to 949 is just out of this world i think it was Second or third in the NHL in that time span in the last uh, in the last little bit. So I think it was just behind. Well, I think Boston was the number one team, and maybe maybe the Devils were number two for save percentage. It's it's been pretty fantastic. And Mike, what did we say at the beginning of the season we would be happy with in terms of a save percentage of five on five for this goaltending duel? Nine we ten. Nine fifteen in that range. Well, league average last year was 907, 907 or 908, one of those two. So yeah. if they could get league average goaltending, maybe just slightly above at like a 910, like this team would be in really good shape. And here they are getting nine, 950 goaltending for Pete's sake over this 12 game stretch. By the way, this also happens to be the exact same amount of games that are in this point streak that the Maple Leafs are in. The team hasn't lost a game in regulation since TJ Brody left the lineup. I don't know if that gets talked about enough. Like that's that's a legitimate statistic and a, and a fact that this team has has really stepped up and in a big way. They're not dropping points. They've picked up what would that make it uh, twenty one of twenty four possible points with Riley out of the lineup or with uh, Brody out of the lineup and Riley for most of that as well. Riley played one extra game. Yeah, one, one he played the night of the twelfth, but. 
since that night with Riley and Brody, they have yet to lose in regulation with them out of the lineup. It's crazy. No, it's certainly crazy. I think, um, you know, when you look at – I'm listening to a lot of, like, the talk around, like, uh, you know, uh, Leafs radio and stuff. And a lot of them are talking about – What am I saying? It's literally me. <laughs> well, you're one of them. One of them. You, but I'm looking at, like <clears> – <throat> We're, we're talking about Matt Murray. He, like we're, we're talking about like certain, certain players here, like Matt Murray, Mitch Marner. I, I just feel like they, you know, Kyle Dubas deserves a little bit of credit here too. Ooh, deserves a lot of credit for the having the He's nuts to make that though, like, like that's the thing. That's it's just like you know what? Sure, would you have liked to have made certain moves? Sure, but you look at what he did. You know, going out and getting Murray and Samsonov. He realizing that Murray wasn't going to be enough and getting Samsonov. Like going mm-hmm. getting both goaltenders was big. Um, Jordy well, Bennett, got lucky. I, I think they lucked into Samsonov because they made that trade before Samsonov got let go by Washington. So that kind of little bit of luck went went there. I mean, they probably would have tried to go after like an Eric Comrie or somebody else. But the fact that Samsonov was the guy that they came away with as as the one B. Little bit of luck on, on their side on that one with Washington electing to let him walk to free agency. And you look at, you know, Jordy Ben, not the sexiest name around, but when Brody and Riley went down, he was right there. Yep. Right. You know, Victor Mete, not the most stellar defenseman, but a body. Like this is something that Kyle Dubas realized he needed to address. He needed to get depth that could step in. You don't plan, you don't think injuries are gonna happen, but you have to be prepared for it. Well, how about also the fact that he made the decision to not address the blue line when these injuries popped up and he said, I'm going to see what we have internally. Like, I'm going to challenge these guys and see what they have, and then I can assess and see how badly we actually do need to get a blue liner and how aggressively I need to be to get one in order for this team to have success. So by having that type of patience – it's allowed Lilligren and Sandine to flourish and blossom into what they've become over the course of the last few weeks. And, you know, over the, the stretch of these 12 games that we keep referring to, the, you know, since Brody's gone down to injury, there's only two defensive pairs, two pairs in the entire National Hockey League who have been on the ice for less goals per 60 than Riley and Sandine have. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. Like, it, legitimately, two, two pairs – out of 83 qualified pairs, I think the qualification was like 130 minutes together. Out of 83 qualified pairs that have played 130 minutes together, only two of those pairings have been on the ice for less goals against per 60 minutes than Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren this season. It's totally, it's totally wild. And you mentioned the, the thought of not going on trading for a defenseman. How many times we hear Jacob Chickern's name come up? as a potential target for the Leafs and the price tag that was being thrown around there. Yeah. But it would have been very easy to make that chicken trade when, uh, when Jake Muzzin went down and he didn't do it. No, hasn't done it. It's still, yeah, yeah he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Cause that's, I want to pick up on that. I want to have the discussion defenseman or forward because I'm starting to sway a different way than I was before. So why don't we take a quick break, get back into that. We'll tee up the game tonight against the Kings and then kind of take a little poke around the Atlantic division because there was some madness going on out in Buffalo last night. We'll talk about that also. Uh, But first, let me tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors. It's our favorite sports book. It's betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer, hockey, esports. They've got it all at betonline.net. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morsuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs. You got Toronto taking on the LA Kings later tonight. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before we went to break, we were just kind of talking about potentially Kyle Dubas, how he could have made a trade. Could have, you know, got trigger happy, couple of injuries. Uh Uh-oh, 
our team's in trouble because we got off to a slow start. We have been playing kind of poorly. We need to make a trade to make sure that we have that defense beefed up so that we really don't fall and spiral out of control and so that we're not in a bad spot come Christmas. Instead, he challenged his team, challenged his players. They bought in, and they played excellent. They have not lost a game in regulation since that day. Um, he came out and said that he was not making a trade. So at the time, I think we were all on, like we came on this podcast. I came on this podcast because the first game that they played without Riley and Brody was against the New Jersey Devils, dude. The New Jersey freaking Devils was the team that they had to play. And they went in, they won that game. They won that game and beat their streak. They had won, what, 13 or 14 in a row. It was insane. And they beat the streak that night. That was the the time where they had like a bunch of goals called back and there was stuff going thrown on the ice in New Jersey. It was a wild game. But regardless, um, that was the first game they went and we're like, uh-oh, this is going to be dangerous because that is a high event team. And you've got Giordano and Hall as your first pair. This is not going to go well. It's gone extremely well. And then Gio and Lilligren also has gone, or uh, Lilligren and Sandine has also gone extremely well to the point where, you know, Brody might be back tonight against the LA Kings. He could potentially return. There's some word that he might be ready to go. Um, and with Victor Mete getting injured and being out for the week, it'd be easy to slide him right into the lineup. Um, but I'm curious now if you're, opinion on what the Maple Leaf should do at the deadline and what type of move or addition they need to make has changed. Because for me, it's starting to change. I was very much on, I don't think this team has the solution internally on the back end. And I think they have guys offensively who just haven't exploded yet, which was true. There still are a bunch of guys offensively who um, have, since we had that conversation, that have started to start scoring and put pucks in the back of the net, namely, Austin Matthews, whose shooting percentage in the last five games is up to 25% now, by the way, on a five-game point streak. So he's starting to – yeah, he's starting to heat up. You got Willie scoring goals. Um, Kerfoot finally got off the schneid with an empty netter. Hopefully that can start parlaying into some more goals. You got a couple from some defensemen recently. So hopefully that offense can still come internally. But I didn't think that the, we were going to get internal – elevation from the blue line and we've we've gotten that these last dozen games the last you know three weeks to a month since tj brody uh left the lineup and and morgan riley so i don't know if it's as dire of a situation to add to this blue line anymore i mean fully healthy you know knock on wood you've got riley and brody who could come back healthy and be that top pair You've got Giordano and Hall, who could be your defensive second pair, take some tough minutes in the blue on, on, on in their end. And they've got Lilligren and Sandine, who have proven that they can also play some tougher minutes on their own end. When they're on the road, you can trust them in any situation. And they also can play sheltered third pair offensive minutes. And both of them can shoot the puck also and maybe get some scoring opportunities um, from the back end and provide a little bit of offense. So now all of a sudden, you've got a pretty solid deep blue line, I would say. And, and and now I do kind of shift my focus over to the forward group and think to myself, maybe they could use just like a, a another bonafide top six score on the left side. You know, they still haven't solidified that, uh, that second line left wing role. You know, they've tried so many players over the course of the year. Right now, Nick Robertson's getting a crack at it. Yarncroft's had a crack at it. Mulgan, Kerfoot. I mean, they've tried so many dudes up there, and nothing has really worked to this point. I'm almost thinking that getting a, a goal scorer in that role might actually serve this team better and just help get them more secondary scoring. Because once you get to the playoffs, it gets tighter. And your stars kind of get they get canceled out by the opposition stars. We've seen this happen time and time again with the Maple Leafs, and it often comes down to whose depth can prevail. And the Leafs haven't really been able to get that from their depth in a way that, let's say, Tampa did last year with Nick Paul scoring their two goals in uh, Game 7, and Toronto just didn't get anything from their depth throughout that whole series, but especially in – well, actually, David Camp had a couple, but in Game 7 and Game 6 in particular – when the chips were down and they needed a goal and they needed a win. So I almost wonder if that's the angle 
that Kyle Dubas has now shifting towards because he only has like one bullet in the chamber, right? He only has enough assets to make one sizable move. I'm almost leaning towards getting another forward as opposed to beefing up that blue line, something we've talked about since the summer. It's a good thing you brought up the Tampa Bay Lightning because you look at their trade history throughout the years, especially at the trade deadline. I'm going to point out a few forwards that they went out and they traded for. Barkley Goodrow, mm. Blake Coleman, ah, Brandon Hagel, Ooh. Nick Paul. Oh, yeah. They didn't really, yeah, other than the McDonough trade that they made all those years ago. Right. They've been focusing more on the David the- Savard. They brought in David Savard that one year from Columbus. Right. Did go on to win a cup. I mean, it wasn't nothing. It was third pair guy, but did help him win a cup. Yeah, but what they invest the majority of their draft capital and prospect capital, it was in the forwards. Like Brandon Hagel, everyone saw that trade and thought the Tampa Bay Lightning were nuts. Well, it it it, it was and still is nuts. It but. still is nuts. But it, <laughs> they did go on to you know go to a Cup final. Um, Nick Paul, you know, not only did they trade for Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel, they're these are guys that are sticking around too. My question here is. And this is one that uh, uh, we, if you talk to the people, uh, all of us in the Discord, we kind of know the answer. But can you trust, can this Leafs team trust a Kerfoot and Angval, like those guys, to provide you scoring in a potential game seven? In the last few years, we haven't been able to say that. No. And that's where, and, and, and a friend of mine has always said this to me. He's like, I want the Leafs to go out and get a score. They need another score. Not necessarily going out and getting a 30, 40 goal score. But, and look, Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel, Blake Holmes, those weren't 30 goal scores, 40 goal scores. But these were guys you can count on in those, you know, they were producing. They, they can produce. And they, you did. know what they do, though? You know what they do? They score goals the way goals are typically scored in the playoffs. Yep. In and around the net. Guys who will go to the net and can finish around the net. That's something where maybe the Maple Leafs would need to look at and try and get that. I mean, I think they had that in Michael Bunting, but he was injured in last year's playoffs and wasn't able to be as effective as he typically is in uh, in, in tight like he is. Um, but I think they could still just use, you know, one more guy. just Just one more guy somewhere sprinkled in your middle six that can – uh, just add a, a goal here and a goal there at the right time, whether to tie a game or, or you know, pull ahead instead of going to overtime and chancing it to, to, to OT. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that's where the Maple Leafs, when all said and done, might be the direction that they might have to take. Um, come deadline time, we'll see. Lots of time between now and then. Things could totally fall apart <laughs> within the next three weeks, and we could be talking about a totally different ball game. Um, and maybe we are asking for a, a Jacob Chikrin trade if he hasn't been dealt by then, I suppose. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But uh, I also think it's rather cheaper to acquire like a middle six score than it is to acquire a top four defenseman, just in terms of assets. It's, it would be a cheaper acquisition. There's also that to consider, considering the Leafs don't have a whole lot of assets to part with as well. All right, Dave, why don't we take a quick break? When we get back, let's uh, let's get into the Leafs and Kings. Let's let's break down tonight's game, and then we got to talk about Tage Thompson because this guy just had himself a night, an absolute night. So we'll do that on the other side. Listen to Locked On These Podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We're hosts here at Locked On Leafs. If it's your first time tuning into the show, appreciate you taking the time. If you've made it through the first 25 or so minutes of the pod, thank you so much. Hopefully uh, you enjoy it. You leave a thumbs up and, and subscribe. We really need to get those subscriber numbers up. We're in a race, a race to 5K with the Locked On Canadians uh, podcast. We got to beat them. Like I think we're 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 ahead by about a hundred or so subs, but that's not that's not far enough. I want to get right past them, just like we are in the standings. I want to be that much of a gap in our podcast listenership as we are in the standings 
to the Montreal Canadiens. And we need your help to do it. Go ahead. If you're listening and you're watching this on YouTube, um, subscribe and uh, be part of the part of the Locked On family. You can also check out our Discord, which is always popping off. Uh, go check out the Discord. We'll put the link down below, and you can join there. All right, the Leafs are back in action tonight. They are home hosting the LA Kings, who are doing their little uh, Eastern Canadian road trip, I guess, right now. They just came off a 5-2-1 against the Ottawa Senators and roll into Toronto. What... Uh, what are your thoughts heading into this game here, Dave? I mean, the LA Kings have been such a weird team lately. Uh, like, they waved Cal Peterson down to the AHL. In like a, yeah. I mean, he, they, the team was lit, lit up for nine goals Ball. by the Seattle Kraken. He's also sucked. That was by Martin Jones, though. Like, he didn't even – oh, no, Marty Jones on the other side, actually. Never mind. Yeah. Marty Jones allowed eight. <laughs> it was not a – Stellar goaltending performance, but this is a team that <clears throat> thought we're getting back to being, you know, the kings of old. You know, getting themselves back into position to be contenders. And look, they're still third in the in the Pacific Division because that division isn't exactly the best right now. But <clears throat> like this is, I know there was frustration with the with how the Leafs played in that California road trip. I want to see if they can get a little bit of retribution for what happened there. But yeah, like the LA Kings aren't a team that I'm all too concerned about just because they give up a lot of goals against. And that's a prime position for this Leafs offense to continue firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I mean, it was about a, what, a week ago yesterday. It was on November 29th, so roughly a week ago. Uh, yeah, they gave up nine goals to the Seattle Kraken. That was insane. Um, you know, they're, they're a decent team. No, like I think they're they're a little bit better than the record indicates. Like their underlying numbers, they're they're like in the top ten ish when it comes to uh, expected goals for and expected against. So they're you know top ten defensively, top ten offensively. Just getting a little bit of bad puck luck, and I think it's a lot to to your point. It's just they're not quite getting um, the amount of saves that they would like to get when it comes to goaltending. Their save percentage is fourth worst in the National Hockey League. So. Goaltending is is kind of been the demise of that squad so far this season. Um, so I, I I think that that would be something where Toronto is going to want to take advantage of, right? Like just completely pepper the goaltender. It's probably going to be Jonathan Quick at the time of recording this the night before. We don't know exactly who the starter is. I, I haven't quite seen it, but I assume it'll be Quick because um, Copley, I believe, played against Ottawa. So it would make sense for Johnny Quick to get back in there. But, you know, just – do what you've been doing, right? Pressure the guy, get a lot of high danger chances, work your way up into the slot, get some slot shots into the inner slot, into that house, and, uh, you know, pick your spots, and they've been doing a really good job of it. So just keep playing the game that they have been over the course of the last, I guess, 12 games that they're 9-0-3 in, and I think Toronto will be perfectly fine. It'll be, you know, I don't think it's going to be a route by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it'll be a pretty good game. And uh, unlike... About a month ago, or last time they played, where Toronto took the L, I think the flip will be script on home ice, and Toronto should come away with this victory. Yeah, I think uh, they've been playing. I mean, the Leafs are getting better play from their top guys. They weren't really getting that on the California road trip. I think Engvall and Tavares were the goal scorers against the Kings last time. But, uh, yeah. Just want to see the Leafs continue to build good habits. And the Kings are a team that will take advantage of some not-so-good habits. Yes, that is that is also very true. I just want to see if there's anything uh, anything that sticks out to me. I'm just taking a look at their numbers, like their home and away splits. If anything's really sticking out to me about Jonathan Quick, yeah, he, he has not been very good on the road. An 883 save percentage for Johnny Quick this season out on the road. So he's been uh, uh, not great, not the best, as our old pal Louis Domingue would say. So certainly I think that could be a, a way for Toronto to score. So maybe even if you're looking to play some wagers at Bet Online, some goal-scoring wagers, some some home team over totals potentially could be the prop bet there. Um, you think Mitch Marner will be able to capitalize on that poor goaltending and extend his streak to 21? No, there's always a chance. I mean, with the way Mitch Marner's been playing, 
he's not doing it all himself. He's got some guys helping him along. So that's where I have more faith that Marner can extend this point streak. So I saw a crazy statistic. It's not that crazy, actually. Like when you think about it, it makes sense. But on this 20 game point streak, he has gotten a point in the first goal of the game for the Maple Leafs in 13 of the 20 games. So he's gotten this streak out of, out of the way real quick in a lot of these games, right? So um, there are some other sports books out there that have Mitch Marner streak prop bets out there. Uh, I did place one at plus 300 for him to um, score in the first period or get a point rather in the first period. A little three to one odds there. He has 13 points in the first periods in these last 20 games. So I think he could do it again, especially against a team that's got poor goaltending like the LA Kings this season. Uh, really quickly, speaking of poor goaltending, David, the uh, the poor, poor goaltenders out in Columbus had to deal with Jack. Jack. I was going to say Jack Eichel. Not Jack Eichel. <laughs> I was actually going to call him Jack Thompson, to be completely. I was going to say Jack Thompson, and I was putting them together. But Tage Thompson the phenom in Buffalo who had a five goal performance, five goals and a helper. So six points. But the crazy part about this is the first four of which all came in the first period. He had less than six minutes of total ice time and he netted four goals on seven shots. Talk about efficiency, my friend efficiency. He had nine shots. He had five goals. He had nine shots on that. That's so after the first period, he only had two shots on goal. One of them was another goal. That's crazy. <laughs> I will say, like, remember, I mean, remember that trade when it went down when they got Tage Thompson, and yeah, just the amount of crap the Sabers were getting for it, and I don't hear that anymore. <laughs> like, it takes time. You got, I'll give them credit. They've they've remained patient with some of these guys, and Tage Thompson is. Like he's a guy that I would want on my team in a heartbeat. He oh, is he's a unicorn, man. Like, go find someone who's six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pounds, and is putting up forty goal seasons. He's on pace right now for like sixty-five goals. He's up to twenty-one goals this year. And he had thirty-eight last year. Exactly. Like this guy is just keeps elevating his game. And the thing that's crazy about it, like you, I saw, I didn't see the fifth goal, how he scored the fifth goal. I think it was off a of one-timer now. Actually, I think I did see a replay of it. But the first four goals, right? Wrist shot, backhand shot, one-time bombed it from the corner, from the point, uh, from the dot, and then one-timer off one knee from inside the circle. And then I think he also had uh, another one-timer also. So he's scoring it in different ways. A couple from the left side of the ice, a couple from the right side of the ice. It's really just, it's 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 outstanding stuff what this kid's doing. I know he's out in Buffalo and he's not a Maple Leaf. In fact, when he plays Toronto, he seems to always score goals also against the Leafs. He's a Leaf killer in that way. Um, but, I mean, he deserves a, a tip of the cap because he's turned out to be one hell of a hockey player. Um you know, so shout out to to Tage Thompson, hell of a hell of a hell of a player. Yeah, it's just too bad the Sabers aren't better, so you get to see him, you know, more. Where are they at? Let's quickly take a look at where they're at right now. They're second last in the Atlantic Division with twenty five points, sub five hundred teams. So, like the Sabers are always do this, man. They get off to a good start, and then they like they did in the first three weeks or so of the season. And then they just completely poop the bed, completely crap the bed the rest of the way. And then fall out of a playoff spot by Christmas. That's just the Sabres way. Um, so that's where they're at right now. 25 points through 26 games. And that would put them what? How many points have a playoff spot right now? I guess the Rangers had the final playoff spot and they are four points back of the Rangers. So, you know, the playoffs aren't out of it, clearly, but uh, they got to get some better goaltending. Goaltending has been the demise there in Buffalo, and that's, I mean, you got Craig Anderson and Uka Pekalukunen in net, so not 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 the best goaltending either, and defensively, they could use some help. They're a team that 
might be calling on uh, for Jacob Chikri. I, I heard, yeah, I think Ellie Freeman had discussed that they were uh, like a low key, not talked about destination because they have a lot of young players. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they got a lot of guys that they could use as trade chips to try and get something done if they wanted to. Um, really quickly, I guess we can just go through our little roundup here um, of what's going on with this Atlantic division. Uh, but Ottawa, they're in dead last, 21 points through 25 games. Um, another slow start that they just you know, are chipping away at trying to get themselves out of. But this is a, a, a third, fourth straight year, I think, that Ottawa's done this to themselves where they just dig a, a hole and, and they're chasing it the entire year. I mean, this was a, a team that had won the offseason, right? They went out, they traded for Alex Dabrinkit. They brought in Claude Giroux. They signed a bunch of their young players. They, they were supposed to be a way better hockey club and be at least playing meaningful games late into the season. And it just has not gone that way for them early on. I mean, when you look at their blue line, like their goal, a lot of them, I guess they thought by having a goaltending tandem, <coughs> sorry, of Cap Talbot and Anton Forsberg, I guess they thought that was going to be able to cover up the defensive liability in front of them. Not a great gamble. I, there was a lot of excitement about Giroux, the brain kid, but as we found out, if you can't defend, it doesn't matter what you have up front. Yeah, 100%. I mean, let's see what their expected numbers are defensively. I, I, I don't think they're, like, that awful. I think they're, like, middle-ish of the pack. 2.7 expected goals against, which is ranked where? 13th worst in the NHL. Um, so, I mean, like, top 20, I guess, is what you would call that in terms of, uh, of defensive. So, it's not, like, the worst um defensively but they certainly it's a team that needs some actual defensemen they do give up a lot uh they certainly do give up a, a whole ton of chances all right moving on talking about uh, a couple other teams within the division moving up the board i guess the montreal canadians will be the next team who are currently in sixth place 28 points through 26 games um yeah, I mean the Canadians are they kind of are what they are. Like they're they're above 500. They're probably happy with where they're at at this point in the year. Like they're still a rebuilding team. I don't think they think they're going to be competing for anything. So the fact that they're winning games and they're being competitive and they've had a resurgence from Sean Monahan who's now injured, but you know, he's having a good year. Cole Caulfield's having a good year. You're getting some other guys stepping up and you know, these young defensemen are actually playing some pretty sound hockey. I think they're per, probably quite happy with how the season has gone so far, despite obviously being outside of a playoff spot. Well, especially considering all the young players that they have, look at that blue line. Yeah. Like some of those young defensemen that they're playing, they're getting great experience. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Caden Gooley's actually been a low key, solid player for them. Yeah. Like he's been a real solid player and he's had to play top pair of minutes. Like he's been a top pair guy for them. And, you know, he's not quite having the same year that Mo Sider had a season ago for Detroit. Not really the same type of player, but, you know, he's he's taken that in stride, and he's been a, a real quality piece for them. Arbor Jacki, obviously, has gotten a lot of love from the hockey world for, for I mean, just the style of game that he plays. And uh, Slavkovsky's got a couple of couple of rips. And did he get – is he – I don't think he's getting let go to the World Juniors. I haven't heard anything about that. I know I saw Shane Wright is getting let go to the World Juniors, who did score a goal on the Montreal Canadiens the other night. That was a pretty sweet revenge goal. So, yeah, I don't think he will. I think they let, they want to focus more on his development at, at the NHL level. Like, if he was in the AHL, then I would have said yes. For yeah, sure. I, I don't think he's going either. Uh, the Florida Panthers. Are you surprised that the Florida Panthers are at the time of this recording? which is, well, it's now midnight, I guess. It is now Thursday, December 8th, that the Florida Panthers are outside of a playoff spot. Nope. We were, this was one of the teams that we said was going to have the most disappointing year. <clears throat> Their goaltending tandem, like, I don't know if you watched Spencer Knight the other ga other day. Like, <clears throat> just look like confidence was totally shot. He just mm. had no, no confidence in that net. Sergey Bobrovsky is, you know, he's and and they've been giving Spencer Knight starts over Sergey Bobrovsky, who's now become a ten million dollar one B option. Backup, yeah. 
that's brutal. Yeah. And, and they have made so many salary cap like full pause, like the Borowski contract, the um the Keith Yandel bio, so many cap maneuvers that were so bad that they can't put they couldn't put themselves in a position to keep their momentum from last season. Yeah, I it's I can't say I didn't expect it because you're right. We talked about it. I think my my bold prediction was that the Florida Panthers, who are last year's President's Trophy team, weren't going to make the playoffs this year. So I, I made that as my bold prediction, and it's for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. Who knew what you were going to get out of that goaltending? Because Bobrovsky, good year, bad year, good year, bad year. He's been that way his whole career. And then that blue line. Like, they were one injury away, and which happened early on in the season with Aaron Ekblad, from be, being essentially a bunch of sixth defensemen. And uh, that doesn't help when your goaltending is as spotty as it's been. So, yeah, not 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 all, a lot of surprises, I guess. But um, when you really think about it, but the fact that last year's president's trophy team is currently not in a playoff position two months into the season, when you look at it that way, maybe slightly surprising. But when you break it down, you, you, maybe I should have saw it coming. Still a long road to go, though. They could still yeah. definitely make their way into the playoffs and uh, – you know, into one of these divisional spots too. Like they're only three points out from Tampa and, and Detroit, who are currently tied with 31 points apiece through 25 games. Um, thoughts on Tampa's season so far? This is kind of where I'm expecting Tampa to be. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna steamroll teams. They they might go on a run just because guys are getting healthy and they're gonna start hitting their stride. But I think they're just comfortable playing to their style. Then when the if when they make the playoffs, because we know they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to turn into another gear. It's just what they have. That's such a veteran group. They know what they need to do. You saw yeah, it again. well. Yeah, I I think it was when um when the Leafs were playing them, John Cooper came out and he said, you know, we 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 learned a couple of things over the course of these last few seasons, and it's it's that the regular season ain't everything. You don't got to give it your all in every single regular season game. It's more of a dress rehearsal till you get to the playoffs. And, and you know, the Maple Leafs, I don't think, don't have the luxury of having that mindset because they haven't won in the playoffs. But a team that's won and has done it before, and they just want to get there so that they can flip the switch, yeah, it makes sense. So the fact that they're not dominating, the fact that they've got some guys off to slow starts, Hedman's not hasn't played particularly well. Um, Vasilevsky hasn't really played particularly well either. But we just – got to give them the benefit of the doubt that this team knows when to flip the switch, much like Vasilevsky did last year in game six and seven, and specifically against the Leafs um, when he looked beatable for the first time ever um, through the first five games of that series. And then, uh, then he wasn't <laughs> and the Leafs just couldn't get past him. Um, so that's, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be perfectly, perfectly fine. Detroit's a team though, that I think is, um, you know, they, they're they a spunky group, 13-7-5, 31 points through 25 games. You know, this is a group that I think has kind of put together a, a pretty solid season. Um, they made a lot of additions. They went out, they got Kubalik, who's been a point-per-game player. They went out and they brought in, um, what's they bring in, Andrew Kopp. They brought in Ben Sherratt. Like, they made some additions. David, uh, yeah, uh, David Perron as well. And then they were relying on some of that youth, Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider. Uh, they had guys like Larkin. Like, it's, it's just a pretty decent squad. Um, and they're getting okay goaltending from the Delkovich. With Detroit, their goaltending, that's going to make or break their season. In my well, opinion. that's the thing. Like, they they rolled the dice on Huso, who's been okay. And the Delkovich hasn't really been been great this year. Um, but that that's really kind of a downfall for them right now. Um but ultimately, they've 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 been okay. Like the team save percentage has actually been top ten in the league. What are they tenth? Yeah, tenth in uh, save percentage at five on five. So when they're getting goaltending, they're getting wins. When they're not, they're probably not going to win a whole lot of hockey games. So, like you said, the goaltending will probably be the the successor demise of that squad. All right, let's wrap it up. Obviously, Toronto's in second place right now, thirty eight points through twenty seven games. But the boys on top are the Boston Bruins. 
they just keep winning games, man. Keep winning games. Um, 43 points, 21, 3, and 1 on the year through the first 25 games. There's no team that has surprised me more to this point than the Boston Bruins. We were talking about how Florida was going to take a step back, but we also had Boston in there as well. So just as much as we were smart about Florida, we were dumb to think that about Boston. So giveth and taketh, obviously. But like this was a group that injuries decimated them early on in the year. And it's a team that were another year older. Um, Allmark didn't have a great first season last year. So what were you going to get out of him? Um, A new coach. How long is it going to take for them to adapt to his system? It all seemed to come together pretty damn quickly. And and they've been the best team in hockey through the first, whatever, two months and a bit of the season. Also with Boston, I wonder how much of that was Bruce Cassidy. How much of like the message just got stale? Well, so, so we got to give so much credit to Cam Neely for, for noticing that and making that move because a, a lot of media members, us included, were shocked to see that move because it seemed as though they were getting a lot out of that group. That team had had a lot of success under Bruce Cassidy. Even last year, they still had success. Still a playoff team. I think they won a round too, didn't they? Uh, maybe they lost to Carolina in round one. But still a playoff team. I think they went to game seven in, in that series, six or seven, right? And then they fired their coach, and uh, they've been better off for it. Who we, who would have thought? Cam Neely, smart move. Hats off to you, pal. Yeah. like Boston is that team that's so annoying just because you don't expect them to be good, but they got Pasternak, they got Marshawn, they got Bergeron. Even Nick Felino's looked passable this year. And that's probably the annoying part is that they're finding ways, even though you look on paper, they're like, I don't know how this team is doing this well. They're just playing together. They just they they got the right guys in that room to uh to provide them with that uh that boost, I guess. You know, and, and look, Pasternak, he's playing for a contract. That's as much motivation as you're gonna need from any player to play at his best. Oh yeah. Oh yes, my friend. He certainly is. Really quick, fun game. I want to play with you. Um, Boston Bruins currently lead the National Hockey League in um, goal differential. They actually. I'm going to get you to guess what you think their goal differential is through the first 25 games of the season. Would it help you if I gave you just as a reference point? what uh uh what another team is and you can tell me which team you want to know i know that they're like well and above i'm gonna go with like 32 plus 47 goal differential oh plus 47 they've got a hundred goals scored on the year that's an average of four goals per game and they've only allowed 53 which I believe, looking at the stats really quickly, is the least amount in the entire National Hockey League by a large margin. Uh, margin, not and there's not one other team that's even in the 50s. No, there is one. New Jersey's only allowed 57. Crazy, like yeah. you know, when you're when you're not allowing that many goals, the margin for error is just that much smaller. Dude, they're 14 0 and one. On home ice. They haven't lost in regulation on home ice all season long. And the one loss actually was to, uh, uh, or actually, wait, did they win that game? Now I'm, now, now I'm trying to think. I think they won that game against Vegas. Uh, no, Vegas, yeah, Vegas won it in a shootout. So Vegas gave them their first loss, which was Bruce Cassidy, uh, first loss. Uh, and it was, it was in a shootout, funny enough. But they had won 14 straight to start, which is insane, insane, insane. The next best team in goal differential, the Devils, at plus 39. So, crazy. You know what's actually insane? <laughs> is this? Hold on. Let me see if this is this is facts. You know who the number one scoring team in the NHL is? Uh, number one scoring team? Yeah. 
Which team has the most goals in the National Hockey League to this point in the year? Oh. I mean, I, I would go with Boston because you said 100. I don't know how many teams are at triple digits. There are two teams currently at triple digits. Oh, really? Yes. Maybe. So there's one team with more than 100. Oh, wow. It's the- I- Go ahead. Oh, is he going to say the Buffalo Sabres? The Buffalo Sabres. Unbelievable. The Buffalo Sabres have 105 goals through 26 games. How many have against? Uh, 96, Oof. which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th most. Yeah. 7th most and 2nd most in the Eastern Conference. The Columbus Blue Jackets, who gave up a nine spot to the Buffalo Sabres, are currently uh, have given up the most goals in the Eastern Conference. The LA Kings have given up 99 goals this season. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nuts. Crazy stuff. All right. Long one. We haven't gone this long on a podcast in a while. We haven't, but there's been a lot. We found a lot of things to talk about. We have. We have found a lot of stuff to talk about. Maybe we can even like split off this roundup into its own separate little thing, potentially. We might have to. We could talk about that off air. Our, our listeners don't need to know how we <laughs> do that type of stuff. <laughs> All right, David, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Game tonight, though, Leafs Kings. Enjoy it. Should be a good one. Hopefully Toronto can go 13 in a row with a point. Mitch Marner extended to 21 straight games with a point and the good vibes can continue to roll within Leafs nation. And right here on the locked on Leafs podcast, that does it for us here today on the show. You can subscribe to us uh, on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content also on YouTube as well. Obviously, as we have mentioned in the past, follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck, follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti, follow the show at locked on Leafs. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll be breaking down the game against the Kings. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.